With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, everyone. Thanks for joining us. It's uh, a freshman edition of our new podcast. Orange and Brew, uh, the podcast where we've married our two favorite pastimes, the Denver Broncos and beer. It'll generally be a little more Bronco heavy than beer heavy. We're going to do a a little beer tasting at the end and give our critiques. I'm um, here with the soon-to-be doctor, Nicholas Manning. Hello, friends. And my name is Jared Trimbley, a.k.a. JT Matthews. How's it going? It's going all right. Uh, excited to get this get this combo going. Yeah, it's been something we've talked about for a while now, and uh, I'm glad we finally worked up the guts to actually do it. Yeah, and me too. It's been it's been a bit, but let's get it. All right. Well, we're hitting the end of COVID. Well, okay, the end. When I say end, I'm, it's in quotation marks. You can't see the quotation marks, but they're real. They're they're there. Uh, any? How you doing? How are you handling that? I think after the first wave of homeschool for my small children. It has gotten easier as you get to the other air quotations new norm. I think it's uh it's gotten acceptable and we've been able to make it work. But definitely excited for some point where where sports get to kick in and hopefully uh hopefully the Broncos season is minimally affected, which would bring us joy to everyone. Yeah, totally. I uh homeschool was horrible. Horrible. I was bad at it. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I feel like I failed my children, but uh, you know, at the end of the day, we, we did what we did and, and they're moving on. Yeah. The good news is our, our kids are young. So like how bad, yeah, how bad could it be, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. So good. Well, I'm glad you're doing okay. I'm doing okay. Yep. Keeping our spirits up, hoping for sports, football, especially the Broncos. Um, so I figured we'd just cover some of the off season moves starting with, let's start with the coaching changes. So there was a, the firing of Rich Gangarello. Uh, and then bringing in Pat Shermer. Uh, what do you think Shermer brings to the offense that Scangarillo didn't? Yeah, well, I think the one reason why Scangarillo got let go, and especially the after being told that he was safe, was really his inability to push the ball down the field. I think with when you have a quarterback like Drew Locke, the arm strength that he showed at Missouri, being able to really push the ball down the field, and not really having the opportunities to do that, and not really seeing the progress as the games went on, they had to bring someone in. Um, I think that Skangarello really did a good job in his opening play designs. I think a lot of people have really talked about it, about when he stayed on script. The offense moved. However, uh, he was not very good at counterpunching, uh, nor really trusting his line. And who knows uh, it, whether or not the line was shoddy or Cortland Sutton was our really only deep threat. The ball didn't get pushed. It sounds like John Elway's word from up top was, you know, let the kid rip it. Uh, sounds like Vic Fangio saying the same kind of stuff. So what Pratt Shermer is going to bring is a significantly more diverse passing attack and really really focus on being able to push the ball down the field. So one, I think for the most part, that's what he's going to bring. I think that's what the difference is going to be. And then he's a much more seasoned play caller. So as teams adapt to what the Broncos are doing, especially come halftime, a.k.a. the Minnesota game, I think that they're going to be able to counterpunch with the best of them. That's my hope anyway. Uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that I'm the biggest Shermer fan, but I definitely think he's an upgrade. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. Do you think you think it was a worthwhile move? I do, um, I do, and I think it, especially because I really trust you know Vic Fangio's defensive capabilities and what he sees across the field. I think he really struggled with Shermer's offenses for a long time, and it seemed like if I'm a defensive coach, I want to go get what gives me problems, and especially someone with Vic Fangio's you know his capabilities and his production. I really trust that, so I think it was a. I think it was a good move, and I think it was a move worth making. Um, Broncos also named quarterback coach Mike Shula. How do you think that'll benefit Drew Locke in his young NFL career? 
I think it was a good move. You know, they had a rookie QB coach last year. I think Shula brings uh, not only a ton of experience as a quarterback coach, but as a coordinator, right? And so obviously he's the son of uh, of the late great coach Shula, and I think he brings a ton of football wisdom, which which we need. So you know, this offensive coaching staff last year was really young, with a really young core, and now they really flipped it on its head. And so now you have Shermer, who's been head coach twice, uh, running offenses for a long time. And you have Shula, who's been an offensive coordinator, head coach, uh, you know, uh, a position coach, a quarterbacks coach for a long time. And people forget that he headed up the offense for the Carolina Panthers and they went 15-1 and, and was really dynamic in helping create that offense. And I think he'll be able to, to help Drew Locke catch up when, when really pushed. Yeah, it so sounds like for the, first, of it. for the first time in a while, maybe we have a good stable of coaches all around. Yep. That we don't have any question marks, or at least – you know, big question marks where we feel like, oh, well, maybe this guy is not seasoned enough or needs more time. That's a nice feeling. Yeah. It, yeah. It's probably the first time since 2015 where you feel like coaches that are in their spots deserve to be there. Yeah. Um, and and totally. have the track record to do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's sure. nice. Yeah. Let's talk about some of the offseason, the losses that the Broncos took on the roster. First and foremost, uh, we lost cornerback Chris Harris. Um, is our secondary worse today without Chris Harris? Yes. I think it, answer, answer short. You know, Chris Harris will be a ring of famer, uh, was probably one of the best slot corners to do it, especially with, uh, with the progress of, of the NFL game. You know, when you're going three wide and you're really pushing and utilizing the slot in a, in a different way, the guy was tremendous, right? Um, and he, he played with swagger. He kind of brought everything that the, the no-fly zone kind of built itself on. So totally. I, I do think that we are worse. Um, I do think we can overcome it. I think that that's what Fangio and, and Ed Donatel, the, the defensive coordinator, that's where they hang their hat. So I trust that they, they have a plan. Uh, I think if they wanted Chris back, Chris would have been back. So I think that they saw something that maybe we didn't see. But I think player for player, yeah, I, I think he, uh, he brought something that we don't have right now. Yeah. I will miss Chris Harris. He's always been one of my... One of my favorites, just having always having that chip on his shoulder. Yeah, the dude feisty man. I love as it a, as a fellow short guy. <laughs> not like not like crazy short, but not tall. Uh, you know, I, I, I definitely respect his attitude and the way he went went out about his business. Yeah, it was great. Uh, we also lost Connor McGovern, lost Will Parks, Derek Wolf, um, Casey Kreider, and a big cut of Joe Flacco. Yeah, so I think you know Connor McGovern was a steady offensive lineman. I think uh, with the addition that we'll get to uh, in a little bit with Graham Glasgow, and that one uh, we definitely benefited. Uh, Will Parks, I'm going to miss him. I think his versatility and being able to play kind of the big nickels position, especially what he signed for in Philly, uh, would have been nice to keep him around. Derek Wolf, you know, he's a, a vocal leader in that locker room. You know, he kind of had the cachet that he had earned over some time as really a warrior of. Of that team, especially the 2015 squad, uh, Case Crider snapped football as well. Yeah, um, and I think that that's a really good skill. That's a I skill. Can't do it. Yeah, I mean, um, but I do hope that those guys are a little bit easier to find than uh, uh, than some other positions. And then you know, Joe Flacco, uh, he signed really cheap for the Jets. People have asked, well, could we have kept him for that? No, I think based on kind of how the year ended um, and really having a clean transition. Uh, there was no harm in moving him. You restructured him last year. You just moved the money saved from last year to this year. So it was an equal wash uh, in terms of cap space, but a little bit of extra cash in hand. So, yeah, I think that kind of sums up players that we lost. I think uh, with the additions that we brought in, it's not necessarily uh, any gaping holes right now. Yeah, it felt like it felt like they recovered nicely, or they knew. It seemed like they were able to predict, kind of. We know which guys are going to walk. Probably for me, losing Connor McGovern was was the hardest. I think we kind of saw Chris Harris kind of slowly fading into the background, and eventually, it seemed like the writing was on the wall a little bit. Yeah. Um, well, they made that the pitch right before the trade deadline, and though there was some hollowness in that pitch, once you knew that there was no longer going to be an option to figure that deal out, I mean, it was done. It was probably done, kind of going into the season. I think both sides tried to try to stretch and make it work, uh, but sometimes you know it's uh, it's just time to move, and and I think that that's what that's what the front office had determined for Chris 
Did he have to move? I mean, do he have to move to the Chargers? I mean, ideally not. <laughs> but sadly, I would rather have him be uh, in a Chargers uniform than a Raiders uniform or a Chiefs uniform. And it sounds like fair. both of those could have been options. And at least playing for the Chargers, COVID or no COVID, there will be no fans there. <laughs> That's true. So That's true. the fanfare might not follow. Speaking of uh, knowing what it's like to play without fans, Melvin Gordon uh, was added to <laughs> the Broncos roster. Uh he even came out recently and said, I'm prepared to play in a COVID world where there's no fans because the Chargers had uh, prepared me for that. Uh, what do you think about the addition of Melvin Gordon? You know, I think at first, like most people, especially when you look at the money, so two years, $18 million for a running back who has really averaged, you know, a, a touch under four, four yards per carry for, for his entire career. It seemed like we were bidding against ourselves, and it sounds like maybe there's some other teams in the mix. Uh, but the more that I chew on it, I really actually like the move. I think that they have to be creative to be able to get Philip Lindsay the ball while still utilizing Melvin Gordon trades. But we were awful on third and one, third and yeah. two, really awful in in uh, goal to go situations, which are both areas that Melvin Gordon can really help out. And then additionally, his ability to catch the ball for as good as Devontae Booker, if you want to use good. Was at, at catching the ball or how much they trusted him. Obviously, Melvin Gordon in that in that role is a huge upgrade for us, and I think that that's, uh, that's something. And when you're this team and you're that young and you're paying your quarterback pennies, you can go get a luxury item like Melvin Gordon and spend some cash on just bringing in offensive talent. We just didn't have enough last year. So if you can get a playmaker, go get a playmaker. I think initially for me it was a head-scratcher a little bit just because we do have a little bit. We had an established backfield rotation and of course, Philip Lindsay's the darling of of Denver. Yeah, and I I love the guy. I won't lie. Yeah, uh, yeah. Who, who doesn't? The Colorado, Colorado native. Yep, you're my boy, Phil. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it was a little bit of a head scratcher, but I think I, I'm with you. The more that I thought about it and kind of we assessed the woes of the running game last year, um, those are areas where you can definitely pick us up and just uh, it gives us a lot more creativity on offense. Drew Lock has one more weapon to throw the ball to. Um, and he's got playmaking ability. I think we've seen that over the years um, when he's healthy. And I really uh, think it's more of a reflection on on, uh, on Freeman. You know, and I, I think most people might think that it's an indictment of Phil. But really, you know, as you had pointed out to me upon draft night, <laughs> that Freeman might just be a guy. And I had hoped that he wouldn't be. But it kind of looks. And even though he caught the ball well in the backfield, he just he didn't provide much on uh, in, in the running game. And I think that that's one area. We're really, if you're looking about it, is who's going to take those carries from him as opposed to who's going to take them from Phil. From Phil. I think I think it's a good move. Um, you know, and, and the deal is short enough where it doesn't impact any extensions. It doesn't impact Cortland Sutton's money. You know, it doesn't impact um, Reisner or any of those guys. You know, it'll come off the books before before you even have to extend Phil. So, yeah, I think the hope for with Freeman was that he was going to be your power back. He was going to be that short yardage guy, and I just never felt like he had that burst, and, and it come to find out that unfortunately he hasn't shown that yet uh, i don't like to say i told you so but i did tell you so well, that's, that's uh, <laughs> um let's talk a little bit about the signing of graham glasgow from detroit who also played at michigan yeah what don't remind are, me i don't like what that you are, what you are i'm an ohio state fan i proud uh born in ohio but grew up in denver so that's how that works yeah so you'll you will hear that you will hear that from me often as much <laughs> as i can brag him you know graham glasgow bring so the the reason why i'm i'm pretty bullish on the move is i think that he provides one interior versatility so we played all three positions started all three and excelled at all three both guard positions and center position which they they had asked connor mcgovern to do but whether or not i would say he excelled i wouldn't say uh was he durable did he play yeah did he excel no I, I, you know a couple of years ago he couldn't beat at max garcia and we saw how good max garcia was so I think that that's a, an initial upgrade and, and for not much more money than, than what McGovern got. And so I really like it. He also has really good tackle length. So I think pass pro-wise, he's going to be someone that's really going to help us out. Got paid a lot, but I think that's what you got to do when you get a guard on, on the free agent market. You got to pay. Yeah, and uh, the hardest part about losing McGovern was like, we already have this, what feels like, a little bit beaten up and tattered offensive line. Yep. And he felt like the best of our offensive line. Uh, besides Reisner, so it's hard to watch a guy like that walk away. But hopefully Glasgow can kind of fill in uh, where he stepped out and maybe maybe even provide more versatility. Yeah, I think the move got made with 
a, a long-term vision of mine. And when we get to the draft, I think obviously we'll kind of see how that plays out. But short-sighted, yeah. It would have been nice not only to, to maybe bring in Glasgow, but even try and keep McGovern. And, and with that, that would have been nice. But it's not how it shook out. Yeah. Um, let's hit the acquisition of Jarrell Casey from Tennessee. Broncos gave up a 2020 seventh-round pick for a five Pro Bowl d- defensive tackle. Yeah, I, you know, I, I got this message, and I, I think my phone was down, or maybe I went to sleep early or, or what have you, but I didn't believe it. And I thought, you know, which Casey could they be talking about? You know, which, <laughs> right. which one could we have gotten for a seventh-round pick? Like, I don't think a team would trade me for, you know, what, <laughs> right. what could you get for a seventh-round pick, let alone a, a guy who, who's dominated for the past several years and really is just – the guy's a monster. If you watch his tape, his hand usage is, is tremendous. He can move up and down the line. Um, how he's not going to compliment Von Miller well, I don't know. You know, I, I can't really see any holes yet. Uh, he's been pretty durable, so I don't, you know, I don't see him missing significant time or he hasn't yet. But I really just like look like Tennessee didn't want to pay him, and, and we were a team willing to take his salary, which has no guaranteed money. So if he doesn't produce, what yeah, did you lose? I think that us, that's right? uh, that's pretty great. Which, you know, when you lose a guy like uh, like Derek, you bring in a guy like Casey. He's probably one of the few guys that can come in this locker room, and the locker room can feel like they got better, even though they lost a guy who's been here for so long. Yeah, and I think there's some depth at that position now. Um, especially after the draft, and we'll get into that a little bit. But re-signing Purcell, or uh, putting a tender on Purcell, rather, um, I think I like his upside. Um, and then we also put a tender on Elijah Wilkerson, um, which will be more of a depth guy moving forward. Um, we got a little bit of a glimpse of him um, last season. He didn't excel. I don't think anyone would say he excelled. But in a spot, he was okay. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, the word was... Never really knew how he was going to play or where he was going to play. Right, so he would practice all week on the interior line and really looked at as a guard. And then we get kicked out because the hope was Juwan James was at some point he's going to play. At some point he's going to play. At some point he's going to play. I just didn't happen week to week. I think that they kind of messed with him. I don't think he has the adequate skill set to be able to to be a top tier tackle. I think that he could, uh, you know, and the hope is that he can push bowls and maybe his consistency overrides bowls' athletic ability. Uh, or at least it makes it Garrett Bowles produce in that way because he has a guy who's going to be technically sound, um, is going to be able to utilize the the right kick step. Um, his pass sets are going to be are going to be appropriate, right? For depending on what the what the play is called, which Garrett really only had one, and maybe he developed two. Right. Um, so that's the hope. Yeah. And then we acquired also cornerback AJ Boye from Jacksonville for a 2020 fourth round pick. Um, which I think may, uh, I mean, Casey was probably far and away my favorite acquisition, yep. especially just for the value. But I think Boye is going to bring some depth to the position. And I think he has potential to be a really, really solid starter. And maybe we'll forget about Chris Harris a little sooner than we think we will. Um, that's just my, my take on it. What, how do you feel about AJ Boye? If you really align with Fangio and how much he likes him, uh, he really wanted him really bad when he was in Chicago. They offered Bouye the most money out of all of the, you know, out of all of the free agent suitors back in 2018, 2017, 2018. And uh, AJ Bouye ended up taking Jacksonville, which obviously no state tax. Who knows how that plays out? But uh, <laughs> right. but he's been a Fangio guy from the get go, and so I think that his fit in Fangio style, uh, I think that that will show dividends coming in the next season. Definitely banking on on getting the end of Houston, early Jacksonville Bouye, and not the Bouye over the last year and a half. Right. Um, but he's definitely young enough, and I think he's going to be able to come in um, and at least provide some steady play. Again, he's another guy with no guarantee contract, right? So if it doesn't work out, it's a guy you can move on from. And I really like the the move to use middle to late round picks for him and Casey. It's very New Englandish, right? To utilize uh, kind of current capital for strong veteran players with contracts that you can move that that aren't going to hamstring you so i like it yep i I like the move um i don't think that our room is necessarily better but i think it helps hold water i think it is a guy though based on his size which is much more uh kind of fit to defend some of the wide receivers the big wide receivers in the division um i think he's going to play well though i think that and i i don't know how much weight to put into it but like you know, you hear the stories about Jacksonville's locker room and yeah. the organization in general, and just you know, you have to wonder how much impact that has on players individually. So I like, you know, I'm biased, and I think the Broncos are 
the greatest. But you got to wonder how much that actually will impact his gameplay. Well, I think it's a lot. I think when a, when a team is checked out or what was going on with Coughlin up in the front office, I absolutely think that there's some point where it just doesn't gel anymore. And then you move a guy like Ramsey, uh, and then you're, you're playing some young guys who maybe you don't trust that they're in the position that they're at. So you cheat a little bit to try and help those guys out. Now you get beat because you're not where you're supposed to be because you don't have a guy like right. Rams or at least a seasoned veteran on the other side that's going to be where they're supposed to be. So I think all of that can kind of get wrapped up. I also think he played hurt last year. You know, word was playing with some with some leg issues. If I'm a cornerback, my legs hurt. Yeah, I'm probably not. I'm probably not playing with the, with the same confidence to to make a play on the ball like he did in the previous years. Right. Um, gonna hit one more. We retained Devonte Bosby, and I know this is a guy that you like. The Boz. Yeah, tell me, yeah. tell me why you like Bosby. You know, if you if you really look back at the Green Bay tape, and I think Aaron Rodgers, outside of Patrick Mahomes, was the best quarterback that we played last year. Um, and damn the, Mahomes, <laughs> damn Mahomes, so mad about he, that. He beat us when he wasn't even playing. <laughs> it's fair. Um, he, uh, you know, Bosby coming in the Green Bay game, his ability to break on the ball. Uh, his tackling, his um, it seemed like he was kind of a seamless fit for for the defense. And then there were a couple of games after it where it wasn't as clean, but I think what you want to be able to do, especially when you're assessing talent, is you want to be able to look at, show me their best stuff, and then can I get them to do it again? Right. Right. So if, if you can show me 15 great plays as a coach or evaluator, I have to be able to decide, can I get them to do it again? Which usually, if they can produce that many, you can, right? And I think that that... You know, as we get to kind of Drew Lockett and those things, that's what you bank on. And I think Bosby is a guy, especially for, for a vet man, um, you know, and, and if he doesn't look healthy or he gets beaten out by some of the other guys, no harm from, you know, no harm, no foul. But I think he's a guy that's going to be able to produce. And I really like him. I think he's a, I think he's a good player. Yeah, I like him too. I like, I like the upside. I like the way he plays. Um, I like the energy he gives. All right, well, that was our, our first segment. We'll be back in a moment with segment two where we're going to cover the Broncos draft and their selections and what we, what we think of them specifically. So we'll be back in a second. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We're back with uh, section two. What is this? Not section two. Chapter two. Uh, <laughs> version two. Version. I don't know. It's version two. Point two. Uh, <laughs> session point two. I don't like that either. No. We're with our second segment. That's yeah, what it's called. That's probably better. Second segment. Uh, and where we're going to dive into the Broncos draft class this year. And we'll just jump right into it. Starting with the Broncos' first round pick, number 15, uh, John Elway and company selected Jerry Judy from Alabama, wide receiver. Um, kind of give me your thoughts on Judy, the selection. We watched the draft together, so I know how you feel about it. Uh, but let everyone else know how you feel about it. Yeah, well, first, I thought he didn't, I thought Elway didn't draft Alabama players. I thought that was the thing. Right. Um, but why, as you, why draft from talented but, programs? Why would you do it? Yeah. I don't know. Um, except for Ohio State. Except, except for the Ohio State. The University. Ohio State. That's right. Well, as you saw by my dancing around the table, <laughs> I was pretty thrilled. Uh, and thrilled for a few reasons. Compared to anyone else in the draft, 
Judy's route running ability in his footwork is tremendous. I mean, the guy um, is a machine. And to have him opposite Cortland Sutton, you bring someone with a different skill set and you didn't have to move. And I think all of the talk leading up to the draft was, did the Broncos need to move up? If they couldn't move up, would they need to move back? Were they even going to get one of the top receivers? And the fact that they had their one guy who was at the top of their boards per all of the reports available, you couldn't ask for anything more. Uh, and I think that he's he's just going to be a perfect fit, and he doesn't have to come in and be everything. Uh, but I think he has the capability to, to challenge for wide receiver one, which is pretty awesome when, uh, when a guy falls in your lap. Yeah, I, I think that I fell into the trap that a lot of – fans do which is looking overlooking at mock drafts and saying there's no way we're going to get a top three receiver they're going to go to oakland and you know teams ahead of us the niners will take one and then we'll be stuck uh taking something that we're less excited about but i mean we ended up getting our pick of the litter um really or at least our first our first choice or what seems like to be like uh, the broncos first choice um and i was excited and watching a little bit more um, yeah, I thought I thought at first maybe he was a little un, not undersized. I kind of expected him to be more of a jump ball guy, but he's not so much. He just kind of beats you with his route running capability and his athleticism. Um, he's not like a burner per se, but he's fast enough, and he's sure. he's a good athlete. Isn't it crazy that when you run a four four, <laughs> yeah. you're not you're not a burner anymore? <laughs> no, I, I remember the one time. Yeah, that, yeah, uh, no, no, I agree, and. Judy wins with separation, right? And so he's able to get in and out of breaks faster than you are, which really in the NFL, that creates a window. And the window does not have to be very big. And But for Judy in college, that window was big. He yeah. consistently had the top-rated separation from any of the college receivers coming into the draft. And we'll talk about K.J. Hamler in a little bit, who was, who was number two deep. But that's pretty tremendous when a guy can break open without having to be a jump ball guy or a physical freak. And don't get me wrong, the guy's yeah. is fully capable, but he already knows how to get open, which translates really well, especially when you expect him to contribute year one. Yeah, and I think you think of guys like that, like you think of route running guys and how successful they generally are in the NFL, and hopefully with his size and, and athleticism that uh, carries over. The, here's the real question, though. You ready? Yep. Do you think Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy will be the wide receiver one for the Broncos in the coming years? I think this next year it'll be Cortland Sutton. Cortland Sutton, I right. think it'll be hands down. Judy has the potential to take that mantle for sure. In the end, it's going to be one A and one B, or one B and one A. Right, uh, and it really could be game to game, and especially with Pat Shermer calling the offense, depending on how long Shermer's here. He had the similar thing with Diggs and and Thielen, and I think he can utilize both guys. And really, depending on what the defense showed or what their personnel was, each guy could flourish, and I think we'll get kind of the same thing here. Okay, let's move on to uh, round two, pick number 46. Uh, the Broncos selected wide receiver K.J. Hamler out of Penn State, um, kind of touted as a speed guy, uh, long ball, you know, hook it up and he'll run underneath it. What's your take on K.J. Hamler and the Broncos selecting him at pick number two? Well, you know, I really enjoyed his tape against Ohio State. I think he showed a ton of... Uh, he did, actually. If you, yes. if you get an opportunity, to go watch it. It's sad, it's but pretty, true. It's pretty tremendous. Um, you know, I, I think I fell into... This is where I fell into the media trap of, wow, we had tackles that fell, or interior linemen that fell, or even corners that fell. The Broncos have to get one of those, right? There's right. no way they're going to double down. I believed that they were going to take another receiver in the first three rounds since they had five picks. But I didn't think that they were going to go back-to-back. And to get a guy like Hamler, who is really Henry Ruggs... Like ish, version 2.0. Right? Yeah. Which I think I think really provides the offense with something that it didn't have. We haven't had that kind of guy in Denver. So you had Emmanuel Sanders, but that really wasn't how he was ever used. Right. So we never really had a top-off-the-defense kind of guy. You had Isaiah McKenzie, who got brought in. That potentially could be that kind of guy, but he really wasn't built to play wide receiver. He was a gimmick guy, yep. maybe a return guy. And then you have Deontay Spencer, who's pretty similar in that sense and can contribute, but he's not going to contribute like that. So you bring a guy who runs a four-two-seven into the offense on top of Judy. I think it really clearly defines how this team is going to be built and how they're going to continue to, to compete in the division. 
Yeah, I, I, the only thing I worry about maybe a little bit is size. But that's kind of one of those things that seems to be a little bit of a misnomer over the years. There's been plenty of smaller running backs and wide receivers that have found a place in the offense. I mean, Darren Sproles is like the first one you think of, but I mean, just there's a number of them over the years where you just say... Yeah, I mean, Tyreek Hill. Tyreek Hill is not a big man. But in the end, if you are fast and if you can create separation, there's a place for you, right? And I think that he's going to be able to do... Hammer's going to be able to do the same thing. My one worry is he lets the ball get to his body. And as as a receiver, that's going to be a bad habit, especially if you can't continue to carry him the ball back in which he had a lot of drops, especially the last year, uh, year and a half. So that'll be really interesting if he's able to clean it up because really you need him for the threat of three to four big plays a game. And oftentimes the way he's going to contribute won't even be catching the ball. It's going to be the threat too, which clears out and provides opportunities for Fant, Sutton, Judy, Lindsey, etc. go down the line. Same way they kind of use Hill and KC. It's a copycat league, right? Yep. You want that guy. So that you can you can do what that team did. Yep, if it uh, works. Uh, and especially the Broncos had front row seats to how, yeah. how Hill has worked over the last few Unfortunately years. Unfortunately sure. true. Um, would you make the move? If you, if you were in the, the GM position, would you take? Would you have done what they did and taken two back-to-back wide receivers? In hindsight, I think I would have. The reason why I would have is because I do think that the offense needs to create points. They didn't make a move in free agency, and I think they knew that they were going to make this kind of move believe that this they knew the entire time that this was going to be the direction that they were going to go i think it's without knowing how the draft was going to play out i think it's ballsy i think it definitely um is putting them on the table to say hey you know what we know who our guy is which i don't think you do if you don't think drew lock is the guy right right so to be able to invest pieces like that i i really like it and especially really looking about who fell after there were guys that i would have liked uh cornerbacks that i would have liked yep but in the in the end you Brought Fangio over and done till over to really manage the defense. And they did a really good job last year with a makeshift secondary to makeshift defense that was ravaged by injuries, etc. So why can't you do it again or maybe even get a little bit better? In the end, though, we need to score points. 17 points a game is, you know, it's high school football. Yeah. And Hawkins said in CU, right? This ain't, this ain't in a mural. <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly. right? And so uh, this NFL, and you got to put points on the board. And I think Hamler provides an opportunity for that. Yeah. And I think. You know, yeah, just to, to echo, echo what you said, it, it shows their commitment to Drew Locke and wanting to see him succeed. Um, I think, you know, we, we saw a little bit of that, maybe a little bit of that for Paxton, but not much. I think really, like, the idea of taking Fant and Sutton was for the next wave to whoever was going to drive the car after, after that. Um, so, yeah, it's nice to see them double down and kind of support Drew Locke that way. I know watching his tweets and stuff on draft day he was pretty stoked yeah, yeah. which i mean you know how he, could you not be right yeah you got a ferrari and a in a porsche right for your birthday you know <laughs> yeah, when you were when you were driving a datsun or a Geo <laughs> yeah. earlier <laughs> right, exactly. yeah i mean it's great you know as a as someone who enjoys good quarterback play you know you can be ask ask aaron Rodgers about how he's feeling about yeah. the, the lack of attention <clears> and, and weapons and so to be able to get those two guys early on without having to move or give up capital that you're able to use throughout the draft is pretty stellar yeah definitely all right let's go to round three pick 77 they selected michael ojamudia a cornerback out of iowa this was a little bit i don't know i i guess i didn't know ojamudia as well as maybe i should have but uh what are your thoughts on the selection i think he i think he got to the third round he got to the selection by really having a really great senior bowl week he tests really well so he's 6'1 200 plus runs a 4.45 he doesn't look that fast on tape but that's because iowa's defense really is zone heavy right which if you're going to get a scheme fit where's a better place to pull than, than iowa and True. so i think oj moody is going to be able to come in and contribute i think what every fan in broncos country is wondering at the time was why don't you take Cushenberry? Right. Why don't you take exactly. Cushenberry? Exactly, that's what I was saying. Right? And so I think um, there was a groundswell, and to see O.J. Moody's name come up on the card was shocking just because it wasn't Cushenberry or um, or a lineman for that matter, right? Yeah. Which I think everyone knew was the was the need. But we needed, a, we needed another corner. So you lose Chris Harris. You can't really replace that, and so you need capable bodies, and 
you know, they have a lot of youth on that team and he needed more. And so I think he was, uh, in the end, he was exactly who Vic Fangio wanted. And if you, if you have Vic Fangio and you, you're bringing him here to do that thing, then you got to let him do that thing. Yeah. And I think we've seen Fangio work with some, maybe some, some cornerbacks that, you know, hadn't, hadn't exactly fit other places and had plugged them right into his, uh, his defense and, and made them work and, and actually raised their, their game quite a bit. Yeah, there... I think I think similar to how he brought in Prince Amukamura, right? And so right. Amukamura didn't really play that well leaving New York. And and I think they were really they were they weren't really looking for him to come in and and play a vital role in their defense and right. bring guy in for a year contract up for five million with minimal guarantees, um, to to get things going and he comes in and contributes and you're able to get him get something out of him that he couldn't get before. In, in a similar mold as O.J. Moody, I think it shows a lot to uh, to what Fangio's looking for and what he's trying to bring in. Yeah. Uh, any chance O.J. Moody is a safety and not a corner? I think that he plays that nickel role. I think he plays the Will Parks role. I think the versatility based on his size is there. From interviews that Kirk Ferentz has had since, since the draft, he talked about really wanting to play him there based on his ball skills and his size. And O.J. Moody is play outside. Just they couldn't move him. They couldn't right. take him away from from doing that. I think his versatility really matches what the defense needs. So I think he's going to be able to kind of be what they need him to be, uh, which for him bodes well, right? Yeah. You know, the more that he can do, the more, the more he can get do. on the field. Exactly. Okay. After that, Broncos went and made uh, the pick in round three at, at number 83 of Lloyd Cushenberry, who we uh, just kind of uh, mentioned at, uh, he's an interior offensive lineman. I know that we were both kind of banging the table for that pick earlier uh, when it finally came. We were both pretty excited. How do you feel about the pick today? About the Lloyd? The Lloyd Cushenberry. I, I, I couldn't have been happier, and I think a, a ton of that was the anticipation that you were going to get him in the 70s, right? It was, right. How could that not happen? And Broncos Country had talked about Cushenberry coming for a while, right? Him, or, him Hennessy, or, or any of the other kind of top centers. Because the need is there. I think Patrick Morris is a potential prospect, right? Schlotman maybe yep. can slide in uh, and do that. But no one really feels confident based on lack of film, right? So you want to be able to bring in as much talent in the interior as possible. And Cushenberry is that. Watching his senior bowl tape, watching him match up against some of the best pass rushers in, in the country down there, he held his own and held his own, but he dominated. And that was really exciting because I think what it does is help solidify the interior, which is a quarterback's best friend. Right? Ask Tom Brady and Peyton Manning. If I can step up, I can throw. Yep. And I think he's going to go a long way in providing that for, for Drew Locke. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was excited. I, I was waiting, like, when are they going to take offensive line? When, when, when? You know, I think, and I think a lot of us were, uh, a lot of fans were, were kind of in the same boat. And finally, when they made that pick, it was a big sigh of relief, at least from me. Do you think Lloyd will be the starting center for the Broncos this this upcoming season? I do. I think he's going to be able to to take that that role pretty early. And even though the complications of COVID are going to create a really condensed yeah. training camp, I think based on his starting experience in college, the fact that he played late into the year with LSU, the extra games that that brings, I think that provides him extra game experience to be able to come in. The offense that they ran in in LSU was really based on the New Orleans Saints offense, where there's a lot of pro looks, a lot of pro calls, and I think he had to do a lot to be able to help that team get ready. So I think he's going to be able to contribute early. I think he's going to be a guy, to be honest, you know, without trying to get overly zealous and excited about a player. I think he's going to project to be, you know, an eight eight to ten year player, really, barring barring injury or those kind of things. I think he's going to be able to to be something that the Broncos have needed for quite some time. I always wondered, and I don't think we've ever talked about this, what do you, what are your, what's your take on drafting a quote-unquote winner? Coming off a national championship, mm-hmm. does that, do you think that that is a, a thing, or do you think that that's kind of a misnomer? Like, you know, everyone was like, draft Tim Tebow because he's a winner, and we kind of saw how that went. Um, do you think there's any, any um, validity to that? Uh, strategy, sure. As a Florida State fan, that invokes some some fury and some frustration, <laughs> and then bringing that to Broncos country is pretty rough. However, you know, for for Tebow's defense, he did win. That's true, uh, and at least he won here. Right. Um, 
I do actually, I believe in leadership qualities. And I think really that's what you have to look at is not only did they win, but did they contribute to the winning? It's pretty easy to be the third corner on a, on a winning team, right? And, and be labeled a winner. But then there's something to be said for a guy that contributes to the winning. Am I a reason why they win? And I think Cushenberry was a reason why they won. I think those are the kind of guys that you want to be able to get. I think Judy is a reason why Alabama won. Right. Are they the only reasons? No. KJ Hamler, I think, is a reason why Penn State won. Right. I think if you take those guys off the field, not only the leadership contributions that they provide to the guys around them, but obviously what they produce on a play-by-play basis. There's a lot to be missed, and so I think Cushenberry is that kind of guy. I would value that, especially early on in the draft. You want guys that are not only going to be able to come in, but come in with some humility and be able to contribute pretty quick. We saw what happened in the 2016 draft, or you know, when you got Devontae Booker coming in and, and saying he's going to take guys' jobs, and, yeah. and kind of the disrespect <laughs> of the of the 2017 draft with with Carlos Henderson and guys like that who really didn't want to come in and play and thought they had earned something already. I think guys like Cush and Barry are going to come in knowing that they got to work and they're going to put in the work. Moving to pick number 95, the third, third round pick for the Broncos. Um, they go ahead and take defensive D line McTelvin Ajim out of Arkansas. Did I say that wrong again? I think that's right. Ajim. What's your take on Ajim? I really like him. I think the, the tape that you get to see. One, it's really hard to be able to to pull out what he's able to contribute because the guy gets double teamed and game planned against so much. Right. Playing on Arkansas's defensive line as a top talent, you stick out like a sore thumb, and I think right. Ajim did. And I think what teams were able to do is neutralize him a bit because there was no one else really to pay attention to. And Cushenberry said as much in a few interviews when they asked him about playing against Ajim in the SEC. However, his frame, his pass rushing skills – really remind me of of Malik Jackson in the sense of of his length, his body type, and his hand placement. I, I think he's going to be able to contribute. I think he's going to be able to contribute up and down the line. I wouldn't expect a ton from him early. You know, maybe he's a guy that contributes a little late in year one, but really year two. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Year three, I think he's going to blossom. I think him and Draymond Jones are really going to make up kind of what this line will look like in a few years for sure. Okay. Yeah, and that's kind of a, a loaded position right now. Jarrell Casey and, and Mike Purcell and all these guys that all seem to have this upside. It'll be interesting to see how they all shake out. But as a defensive lineman, if I if I get some breaks and I can max out every play, I think I'm going to be able to produce a little bit more than uh, than a team that's going to run run you 80 90 percent of the snaps. You just can't give it all the time, especially down in the trench. It's pretty rough. Yeah, it'd be nice to have a defensive tackle that can push the pocket too, because yep. I think we've seen we've had guys that are are pretty good at holding the line and playing their gaps. You know, Derek Wolf was. I think he was pretty good at it, you know, or at least he had good moments. But I think he was not, he didn't quite push the pocket like I'm expecting, you know, like Jarrell Casey to and give kind of some support to to our, our uh, edge rushers. Yeah, I think Ajim's going to be able to come and be that guy, especially long term. I think he has the skill set. He can come in and work and learn from guys like uh, Shelby Harrison and Jarrell Casey. I think he's going to pick up a lot pretty quick. He definitely has the athleticism to be that guy. As a quarterback, I'd rather have people that I'm that are coming around the side that I can step up. People, people going uh, going up the middle, right in your face. Can't step and up breaking down the that. windows. You can't. Yeah, right? and it, and you can't block it out either. You see it. It takes a really special guy to be able to look around that, and th- those aren't too many. It's just not. Yeah, you just see him throw the ball up and hope for the best at you that point. Hope, <laughs> yeah, you, you hope <laughs> you see a three three hundred twenty five pound defensive tackle bearing yeah. down on you. Just self preservation mode. Just yep. a, just a little bit. Hopefully, we don't see much of that from Drew Lock. Um, Our fourth round pick, number 118, we went back to the offense and picked Albert Okwegnubom, tight end Missouri. I have to really think when I say that name, especially when I'm reading it. 
it's kind of a funny pick, or maybe it seems a little funny with with the tight ends that we have on the roster already. What is your what's your your feeling about this pick? I think it's the I think it's the Drew Lock signature stamp pick. Okay, I think it is the it is the we believe in you. We're gonna get you your guy pick, as evidenced by they called him earlier in the day and said, "What do you think about him?" Right, and is he you know is he a guy that's gonna be able to come in and play? And Drew Lock gave a an endorsement early in the day. And I think that sold them. Um, he's a guy that can contribute. You know, runs a four four nine forty, so he's a he's as big. You know, as fast as, yeah. as Noah Fant. So I think it provides just more weapons, right? We just didn't have a lot of talent in the offense last year. And you can't really rely on Jake Butt to be able to come in and play. Fumagalli hasn't really shown much. Jeff Howerman, to to your chagrin, yeah. is a guy. He's a guy that, that can play and has shown some flashes. But he's not a guy that you're going to count on to contribute big plays down the field. So really... That tight end two or that re- that tight end receiver two is a big need, and can be someone that can come in and contribute. And I think Okawebunam is a guy that that has the potential to be able to flourish. And especially they're going to use him in sub packages. I mean, imagine a goal line, yeah, a goal line offense with him. No offense, you got Sutton and you got Tim Patrick. Those are some big boys that can run. And how are they going to use him? And I think that's something pretty exciting for the team to be able to think about. Right. I think we're thinking more goal line. You know, short down situations right now, um, especially with the way Fant can kind of stretch the field a little bit more. Can he block? Is he a blocking tight end, or is that still to be determined? I think that the capability is there. I think the offense that they ran in Missouri, for the most part in his time before, they didn't really emphasize that, and I don't think he wanted to. Sure. I think he was a guy that was catching a ton of touchdown passes, and if I'm catching touchdown passes, that's what people are going to pay me to do. I think his last year at Missouri, he embraced a blocking. I think it's a, a skill that he's going to need to produce. But you don't draft a guy in the fourth round necessarily come in and be a blocker, right? Especially when you just sign Nick Vanette, who's a much bigger, uh, much bigger tight end at two sixty. And so I think the goal is to be able to get him acclimated to be a capable blocker. But you brought him brought him in to catch passes, so I think that that's how they're going to use him early on and hope that he kind of gravitates, which is quite a bit of what George Kittle did. And I'm not comparing the two. I wouldn't do that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> George Kittle came in and had to learn how to block. And then obviously you look at him now. His pancakes are legendary. Yeah, right? Um, right. And so I think that that would be the route that I would use him for. I'd, I'd bring Oakway when I'm in for a handful of plays, opportunities to catch um, catch some some short contested throws, maybe where you need a, a guy with a big body or, or fade routes to be able to give him a chance to go over the top. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess when they made the pick, I was just hoping it's not – a gimmick like a gimmicky like drew lock safety net or like com- like comfort blanket you know like we're doing this to make him feel better but i hope that you know you can do that and still have him produce you know and i think that's the ultimate goal i think there was probably a little bit of like well how can we make drew lock feel better about what's going on here um and bring in a guy who's probably pretty friendly with yeah, I think it, how do you get the most out of a guy, right? So I think the, the objective is how do we get the most out of Drew Locke in this offense? Bring in a guy that he's throwing 17 touchdown passes to is not a bad idea. Right. I think it is an area where they, they needed a, another body in the room because you just can't count on the other guys. I, I was as big a fan of Jake Butt as there could be. I told you that a whole bunch of times. Yep. And you can't count on him to be healthy, and it's not his fault that just is. Right. And so really you did need another body in the room because Nick Finette was brought in to block, but you don't keep a guy for blocking. You can right. find those guys you know, throughout the NFL. So we need a talent. The offense needs a talent, which is why the, the primary picks throughout the first, you know, up until now were offensive guys because we need a talent, and he's at least a guy that, that presents some talent for sure. Let's uh, Let's just quickly go over the – uh, third day guys. So at 178, we had uh, Justin Strad, uh, linebacker out of Wake Forest. Round six, pick 181, we had Natani Muti, uh, interior offensive lineman out of Fresno State. Seventh round, pick 252, Tyree Cleveland, wide receiver out of Florida. And uh, again in the seventh round, pick 254, Derek Tuska, edge. Um, rusher out of North Dakota State. Kind of touch on these guys just briefly um, and kind of give me your take on maybe what their role will be in the upcoming year or moving forward. 
I think Strenad's going to come in and contribute on special teams. He's a guy that can excel in pass coverage. He did a ton at Wake Forest. He's really all over the field. There's a, some really good tape of him and probably one of the best games that he played against Lamar Jackson when Lamar was, was still at Louisville. I think that that's the hope that that can be the guy. You know, you get a guy that can um, that can foster a little bit and come in and contribute a la Danny Trevathan. So I think that that's where I think the hope is, you know, down the maybe next year he can contribute on defense when you let Todd Davis walk. And then Natani Muti is a guy who uh, is an absolute beast. I think if there are injuries, the guy is a second-round pick. Yeah, he, he his size alone is, I mean, it's scary. His strength, what, uh, 44 reps in the combine? Yeah, I can't even count to 44. <laughs> yeah. like I, I, I run out of fingers, it's and, true. fingers and toes and I need some help. <laughs> Yeah, and if the guy didn't have uh, some unfortunate injuries, which which is why he got to the sixth round, I mean he's a guy that that goes early on for sure. Now hopefully you can get him healthy, and you can get him steady, and then hopefully he can press that team to to find a place to play him or to maneuver the line. You know, and I, I think the Broncos have not had depth in a while where you know the guy sitting on the bench was a threat to play right. or you felt comfortable with him playing. Usually when there was an injury, it was the oh crap button, mm-hmm. and uh, it really seems like Muti can be that guy. I think if they bring him on along slowly, uh, make sure his conditioning is right. I think he's a guy that can can come in and do some good work if he needs to. And then looking at uh, the guys in the seventh round, so you got Cleveland and you got Tuska. I think Cleveland is a tight weight speed guy, and you hope that maybe he can come in, play some special teams early on, and maybe develop. I think it's uh, it's, it's definitely a a flyer that's worth taking, and then Tuska is a he's the winner, right? And so yeah. The guy that came in right. hadn't really ever lost much in college or in high school and in college in North Dakota State. I think there's some talent there. He's definitely a tweener, so there's going to be some weight that he's going to need to put on and really pick. Is he going to play with his hand in the dirt, or is he going to stay light and play outside? I think his best spot would be to play outside, and then you hope who's he going to who's he going to push off the roster, right? right? So you brought back Atachu, you got Hollins, you got Malik Reed. But it's a good problem to have. You know, in the end, you want these kind of problems when you bring in guys that make you think about the roster as opposed to what the team's been that's been pretty bare for a while. Right, true. Um, how about undrafted guys? Do you like any of them specifically or, you know, any that have a chance to crack the roster? You know, I think there's a, a few guys that might. And so I'll, I'll kind of start with maybe the mites. So I think Levante Bellamy, who's a running back out of Western Michigan, is a guy that can come in and and compliment and play some speed ball. I think he's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield. Not the biggest guy, but the guy can play. I really like him. I think he's a guy that can contribute for a while. There's a few receivers like Kendall Hinton or Zamari Manning that I think can can come in and make the practice squad and maybe in year two, a la Tim Patrick, find a way onto the roster, but not someone that I think is going to make it this year. Okay. The guy that I, the guys that I think can make the team this year are Sang Bassey, cornerback out of Wake Forest. He's a guy that dominated and played really well in the ACC He's a smaller guy, really feisty, um, can play in the slot and play outside. I think he's a guy that really can find his way on this team, especially with all the unknowns. Uh, in the defensive backfield, and the other guy is Douglas Coleman, who's a pretty tall, rangy safety. A lot of picks last year. A ton of them were off deflections or just fi- being in the right place at the right time. But in the end, you got to catch it, and you have to have a nose for the ball, which we haven't had a lot of turnovers last few years, and I think he's a guy that might be able to maybe fill the Will Parks role or at least show some... I think that's a skill, right? It's a skill to, to, to be in the right place at the right time. Absolutely. I think you have to and be able to make a play on the ball. Right? How many times do you see uh, an opportunity for a play to get made and no one makes it? Right. And I think you want a guy that can be a playmaker for sure. Well, we have – so so I'm going to give you two more questions. Hit me. Which player do you think is the biggest sleeper pick to make a difference? Maybe maybe not even this year, but but maybe year two out of the the guys we drafted. Who do I think would be the the biggest sleeper to contribute later on? Mm, I think Stranad. I think he's a guy that I really like. I don't know that he got as much fanfare as maybe he deserved. He tore a bicep towards the end of the year in 2019. He, you know, he's a, a lengthy cornerback that I think can match up with with guys in the division like Kelsey and Walker and Hunter Henry, or at least mm-hmm. you hope. But right now, we don't have a guy like that really. True. So to be able to have a guy like that, especially not wasting a premium pick, if he if he's able to turn around and, and play that kind of position or, or support us in that way, I think that that's that's pretty great value and, and definitely a sleeper I'd, I'd bank on. 
And my other question was, will this draft class go down as a class that exceeded expectations or one that will disappoint five years down the road? I'm going to go on a small limb and say I think they'll exceed. I actually think they'll exceed by a pretty fair margin because I do think Cushenberry is going to be a player for a while. I think Ajim's going to be a starter by year two to year three and a major contributor by, by year two at least. And clearly the receivers will be plugged in right away. I think away. so. I, I think Hamler's going to be able to, to come in, and that's the one that I think will really make this offense different. I think everyone knows what Judy's capable of, and I think everyone expects that by year two or year three, Judy's a thousand thousand yard receiver. I think KJ Hamler is going to be a guy that that really figures it out, and especially when I'm saying when because I'm predicting here when they <laughs> utilize him correctly. I think he's going to be able to contribute some big plays that help the team win, and not just pad stats. It's just a so, matter of when when that happens, when yeah. that occurs. Yeah, hopefully early on. Hopefully. Um, all right. Well, that was our second segment. Right? Segment? Yeah. Nice job. Not version, uh, not point twos. Not, not point chapters. Two. Exactly. We got segment. Our second segment, which will be the majority of our football stuff today, but we will come back with segment three and do our other expertise area. I don't know that. I can't really say that I'm an expert in beer. I'm an expert at drinking beer. That, that is fact. I'm an expert at, you know, buying beer at the grocery store and from various microbreweries. Um, so I'm going to say I'm an expert. Yeah. I think that's how that goes, right? Yeah. I, think I mean, if, if you, you say, say it, it and you believe it, you can achieve it, right? I have to believe it, too? I mean, in the end. Okay, I believe it. Yeah. All right, there I believe go. it. So we're going to come back with uh, especially my expertise on on this beer, um, <laughs> and you'll find out what it is after this break. segment slash chapter slash version three <laughs> the third volume the third volume of this podcast and this is my favorite part of it which is where we get to drink beer it's like when it's like when your parents would give you an m&m for going pee pee in the potty yeah it's like we've done everything we need to do to earn the victory at the end of the it's day. true yeah and like we need more excuses to drink beer but it's probably not true right now with all the COVID and stuff because, like, there's nothing else to do. What else are you do? But generally, we need excuses to drink beer. Sure. And so this is our excuse. Um, and we're going to take it and run with it. So today, we are tasting, professionally tasting, um, an American IPA from Copper Kettle Brewing Company out of Denver, Colorado, where we happen to reside. Fact. Well. Outside of Denver. We're Denver area. Denver metro area. Yeah, I drive there sometimes. We're in the burbs. You know. We're domesticated <laughs> like that. So, uh... Which, it, yeah, which Denver channels. It is uh, 7.2 ABV. So, this is going to be a strong one. It's a bit of a kick to the face. Which is exactly how I like it. And it says on the can, American IPA with intense pine and citrus hop flavor. Yeah, you don't want weak pine. No, you got to have intense pine. Yeah, it's like Chris Farley. Taking the pine tree bath, and the, <laughs> like you don't want weak sauce. No, you got to go. You go big with your pine, yeah. or you go home. Yeah, that's what you I go always far say. Or you go home. I've said it a million times. That is, I think. I've heard it actually as an expert of this. Of an expert of pine, say, yes. The wood and the beer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna crack it open. Listen, it's gonna sound good. Oh yeah. Oh man, that's really spiked on the on the recording thing. That's gonna be like the loudest thing we've recorded. <laughs> Besides my, my ch- louder than your dog breathing or my children stomping around upstairs. All right. This has a lot of head. I did not pour that well. Well, we'll get to the beer eventually through the head. Could be these really fancy plastic cups I got to. I've heard that if they're not solo cups. Yeah, they're probably garbage, which is proving to be true right now. Oh my gosh. I got like... <laughs> Wow. Like, I don't know. I'm going to blame... Uh, no, I won't blame Copper Kettle. I'll blame myself. Because I'm sure that their product is is extremely good. Um, I've actually been there, and it is extremely good. But for some reason, this pour is not very good. It's not. And I'm going to blame myself and these terrible plastic cups. But cheers. We're going to try it. Let's do it. Cheers. 
Oh, did you get that swallow noise? That's a, probably a terrible audio visual. Well, like, that's not that's not a good medium for for beer drinking, probably. But but hey, when in Rome, <laughs> um, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's strong. It is. I can taste that it's a seven point two. That is fact. ABV. I would have calculated it based on my taste buds. Yeah, I think totally. I would have landed on it. Yeah, totally would have been tried it and been like. Uh, probably only going to have two or three of these because they'll knock me on my butt. <laughs> That's true. I'm a big boy and they'll I'm, still do it to I'm me. I'm going to call Uber now. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're going to call Uber to get home today? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's probably I mean, Just by smelling it, maybe. I can smell that intense pine they were talking about. That's true. The intense pine. I really like the intense pine, though. You know, I, I'm not usually a piney kind of guy, nor a citrusy guy, but the collection of them is actually pretty good. And the fact that it's seven point two, and you only have to drink two or three of them. I mean, when you that helps. And the finish line is a little closer; it's a little easier to run. That's true. I'm with you there. Well, we're gonna finish these up. Thank you, everyone who tuned in for our our first uh, our inaugural episode of Orange and Brew. We know by no means this was not a masterpiece. Um, and we intend to just keep improving and, and getting better at this podcasting thing. So hang in there. We know there were some sound issues and whatnot, but we, we vow to do better. Um, and as we learn more and we kind of get more into this hobby and hopefully, you know, we turn this into something we do on a regular basis. We just want to keep improving and improving. So thanks for hanging in there with us. We appreciate you. Be safe out there and go Broncos.